Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. A high school teacher one was teaching English, and for the creative writing assignment in this particular day, she gave everyone a piece of paper face down, and she said to them, I want you to turn over the piece of paper, and I want you to take 15 minutes to write a paragraph. 15 minutes is a long time to write a paragraph, but five sentences in your paragraph about what you see on the paper. Everybody turned over the, the paper, and when they turned over the paper, this is what they saw. And so they were busy writing for 15 minutes, five sentences about what they saw. And then the teacher collected all the papers, and she uh, read them back to the class. Some people were pretty creative in talking about the black dot and, and gave it a name, and other people to told about its history and other creative stories about the black dot. But when she was done reading the 24 little paragraphs that people had written, she says, I want to point something out to you. None of you talked about the white space all around. Everybody talked about the dot. I didn't tell you to talk about the dot. I said, talk, write about what you see on the paper. And that's a lesson about life, she said, that many times people will focus on the black dot and not see all of the blessings and all of the good things that are going on in life. Oh, I like that story. And that's really what I think Isaiah is trying to communicate in Isaiah chapter 43. And so I want to share with you this passage because I think as we go out today, we're going to learn how to focus on the white space, not just the dot in our lives because God wants to do something new. Can you see it? Stand with me as we read the passage and let's see what God has to say to us today. It says in Isaiah 43, 16 to 19, thus says the Lord, who, now we're going to have a description of, of the Lord here. This is a description of him bringing people across through the, the Red Sea as they escape from Egypt. Who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. I think that's a strange statement, I just got to tell you. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You may be seated. The first thing I notice as I look at this passage is that it says, remember, uh, not the former things. And it just reminds me that in God's Word, we see several times how important it is for us to control our thinking. I think many of us kind of allow our thinking to randomly go through wherever it's going to go, and sometimes it goes to places that it shouldn't go, or it spends too much time lingering in places where it shouldn't linger. It spends too much time on the black spot instead of looking at all the space around it. And so I think about those passages, like, you know, the one about we should take our thoughts captive. There's some indication there that we can control our thoughts. We can control our thinking. Here's another one. I like it. it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. The idea here is that we have a certain amount of ability to control what we're going to think. We can 
take control of our thinking so that we're setting our minds in the right place because sometimes we can get so distracted by all the things around and we miss the most important things. We need to set our minds. We can control our thinking. We can control where their thoughts are going. Here's another one. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is in a passage about anxiety. Sometimes our thoughts go to places that increase anxiety, and what Paul is saying here is that we can choose how we're going to think. We're going to talk about this day, this today, because how can you focus, how can you control your thinking as you're going into this next period of life for you? What are you doing to control your thinking? What are you focusing on? Here's another one in Philippians chapter 3. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. Here again, he says, forgetting the past. He's talking about memory. I think that when he says either here, forgetting the past, or in our passage it says, remember not, he's talking about the memories that we have. Let's talk about memory for just a moment. There was an elderly couple that went, realizing they were kind of, their memory was declining, so they went to the doctor together, and they said to the doctor, hey, doctor, we think our memory's declining. Can you please evaluate, help us out? And the doctor says, yes, your memory is declining. It's pretty clear, but physically you're doing well. They said, well, do you have any ideas for us? He said, well, my best idea I can give you is write things down. That will help you with your memory. So they said, that sounds great. They went home, and that night they were watching TV, and and the husband gets up to walk in, walk somewhere, and she says, where are you going? He says, I'm going to go to the kitchen. She says, well, while you're there, could you uh, get me a bowl of ice cream? And you better write it down. He says, I'm just going to the kitchen. But the doctor said, write it down. But I'm just going to the kitchen. She says, and, and would you put some strawberries on it? And you better write that down too. He says, it's okay. I'll remember. I'm just going to the kitchen. And she says, well, don't forget the whipped cream. But you better write that down too. Now he's perturbed, and so he's annoyed and kind of steams himself into the kitchen. He's gone for about 20 minutes, and uh, then he comes back and hands his wife a plate of scrambled eggs and bacon. And she looks at it and says, you forgot the toast. We joke about our memory, especially as our memory declines at times. We can't find what we want. But uh, our memory is a serious place. It's a place where where we have things that may distract us from what God wants to do. You know, when you look forward in your life and you say, what is the new thing God wants to do in my life? The passage says, do you perceive it? Don't you see it? That's what he's saying here. There's new things that are out there. Now, what's preventing us from seeing the new things? Ask yourself that question. What might be hindering me from perceiving the new things that God wants to do in my life? We look forward and we might think, well, there's that mountain over there that has to do with health or finances. There's that uh, barrier over there that has to do with a relationship that I'm challenged with or stress that I'm experiencing. So we tend to look this way. But, you know, sometimes the biggest things that hinder us from seeing the new thing that God wants to do isn't something that's in front of us. It's the things that are in behind us. The things that are hindering us are the things, the memories, the challenges the, um, the things that we're carrying with us forward. Did you know you can't really see the new things God wants to do if you're fixated on the past? 
We must focus on what God wants to do. He wants to do a new thing, and that's why he says, remember not, in the passage, remember not the things of old. Let's look at those a little bit more. He says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Well, let's look at the context of this verse. The reason we don't take verses out of context is because when we study the context of a passage, it makes the application more strong for us so that we can take the principles that are being taught in a passage and we can apply them uh, to ourselves, not just to the people that were taking place at that time. So let me explain to you what's going on in the passage here. The book of Isaiah is divided into two sections. Chapters 1 to 39 focus on judgment. The fact that you're doing the wrong thing, you need to change, you're going to be judged by God, all of those things. And, and maybe you, you today uh, are living in sin and, and uh, you recognize that you're in a problem place in your life and you really need chapters 1 through 39, I encourage you to go read them. But in chapter 40, we have a very swift and dramatic change between chapters 40 and 40, uh, 66 that are focused on comfort and hope and encouragement. I'd encourage you when you have time to read the first three verses of this chapter that talk about how God is with us in so many different ways. It's so encouraging to read this. These words were written for the people who were in the Babylonian captivity. They would read these words while they're in Babylonia or Babylon. People like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would read the words of Isaiah because they'd be there thinking, oh, why are we here? You know why we're here in this place in our lives? We're here because we messed up. We, we blew it. We didn't follow the Lord, and, and so now we're in Babylon, and so they can start to feel regrets. They can start to feel guilty. They can start to feel upset. They can feel disappointed about where they are, and so they start focusing on those things, and so it's in the midst of that they can read this passage now, and as they're reading it, he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing right here in Babylon. I'm doing a new thing right now while you're in captivity. I can do that new thing for you in your life. And I think that makes the application even more strong for us because we know that God is continually doing new things. He's continually finding ways to surprise us with his grace. Can we see it? Can we see it right in the midst of where we are now, or are we so distracted by the regrets and the guilt and the disappointment that we have in life that it, it's hard for us to see that God wants to do something new, something brand new, something special, something refreshing, that God has something special planned for us, and we can't be distracted by what's behind, that we're going forward to something new, something special. You might be saying... I can never forget the black dot that's behind me. I can never forget that. The relationship that was damaged, that my health was, is compromised. But I was in an accident, and I live with that, the pain of that accident continually. I can never forget that. I can never forget the mistreatment that I took place in a relationship. I can never forget that. I, it doesn't even seem reasonable to think about that. Well, it's very important for us to look at the word remember because we'll find the answer to that question or that dilemma in the word itself. The word is zakar. You might just write it in your Bible. The word zakar means to remember. 
But what it also, it doesn't mean necessarily to remove it from your memory. What it means is don't give so much weight to it that it's going to affect your future decision making. That's what it means. How do I know that? Well, six verses later in verse 25 of this same chapter is the passage where it says, and God will remember your sins no more. What does that mean? Well, we know that God is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He's not going to forget anything from his memory. What it means is that he won't hold it with weight. He won't hold it as a weight. As he's thinking about our sins, they have very little weight. That it's, his love is so overwhelming that that's what we can focus on. He remembers our sins no more. That's what we need to think about when we come to these things from the past. What is it that, that is hindering us from going forward? They can't have enough weight to hinder us from moving in that direction. Or what we're going to do in life is we're going to keep focusing on the black dot, and we're not going to be able to see the good things, the new things, the fresh things that God has for us. This is the beautiful thing that God wants to do. He says he's going to make us a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Just think about that in your own life. Old things are passed away. All things become new. There's something new. The weight of those things from the past can be lessened as we learn how to focus on the new things that God wants to do. He says, do you not perceive it? Can't you see it? He's asking a question. Can't you see the new things that are going on here that God wants to do? Remember, he's saying. Remember the new things. Or, or think about the new things that I want to do. Now, as I was pondering this whole idea, I'm going, you know, this seems strange to me. I said that earlier. This statement seems strange to me that God would say, remember not the former things. Because that's what the whole Bible's about, is remembering, isn't it? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember God's faithfulness. And, and I think, I started thinking, well, what is he talking about then? What things are we to remember and what things are we to forget? Because that's going to set the course of our, our setting our mind on things above. We're going to know what to set our minds on. We can't just forget about the whole Bible. And so I started pondering this and looking at the word remember and forget in the Bible. And uh, I came to some ideas. This is just my tangent uh, as I was doing my own study about here's some things we want to remember. We never want to forget these things. One is we want to remember the promises of God. In Deuteronomy 31, 5, it, it, the um, Israelites are now getting ready to go into the new land, the promised land, cross the Jordan River. They have the second law. Deuteronomy is the second law. And in that passage, it says, be strong and be courageous, for I will be with you wherever you go. Wow, that's a promise. The Bible is full of promises. We can't forget the promises of God because the promises of God catapult us into the future so that we can rely on those promises when we are finding ourselves in difficult situations, in challenging places, that we can trust in God and what He's doing and we can rely on Him and enjoy Him and appreciate Him. Another thing we want to rely on is the faithfulness of God. That's why we study those Old Testament heroes and we, we get to learn about them. When we learn about Adam and Eve and we see that they, we fa they failed, we go, we don't just condemn them and say, you guys, can you believe all the trouble you caused the rest of mankind? Yeah, we don't say that. We look at that and we say, man, they messed up. But even in that story, God says to the woman, I'm going to, through your seed, we're going to conquer that, we're going to conquer Satan's head, we're going to crush his head. Wow. 
that's a reference to Jesus Christ coming. That's the, the faithfulness of God, even in that story, that when, when Abraham then is called, this one man who's going to represent this family and God is going to work through them, he says, through you, Abraham, all of the nations of the world will be blessed. Not just your descendants. You have a lot of descendants, but all the nations of the world will be blessed. A reference to Jesus Christ. That's God's faithfulness. And so when we study Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, referenced many times in the Old Testament, because of the faithfulness of God working in their lives, we come away with saying, wow, God is true. I'm going to rely on the Lord. What God did in the life of Daniel, when he took a stand for doing what's right, even when the government said don't do it, God was faithful and worked in his life. So we study God's Word because we want to understand, we always want to remember the faithfulness of God. Another very important thing that we remember is Christ's death. And that's why we celebrate communion. We have this opportunity each month, as we do on the first Sunday of the month, which is today, to look at communion and to, and to ask God again to remind us about the death of Jesus Christ, that we never forget the sacrifice that was made for our sins that gives us an overwhelming sense of gratitude, of submission, an overwhelming sense of thankfulness and contentment for what God has done for us and motivates us forward. Those are three things, at least, that we need to remember. We never forget those things. Those are powerful things that we need in our lives. Then what do we not remember? Well, I think we need to be careful about the guilt that we experience from the past. Because now that we're Christians, we have no condemnation, that God has removed that away. We can't say, oh, man, I'm a terrible person. I really messed up in my life. Therefore, I'm going to take myself off of the running race. No, we don't do that. When you think about God's faithfulness and you think about all of those great heroes of the faith, you're drawn to Hebrews chapter 11, which has this hall of fame or hall of faith we talk about, listing all of these heroes and how God was faithful to all of them. And then chapter 12 starts this way. Since we've been surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with our eyes fixed on Jesus, not easily entangled by the sin around us. We don't only focus on the sin. We want to focus on Jesus Christ. We're going forward. God is doing a new thing, and we want to keep our eyes on Him. We don't want to get distracted by the guilt. We don't want to have, you may have regrets from mistakes you've made that have consequences even now. And you want to be able to let those go and be free to move forward with some new grace because God wants to do something new. Don't you see it? Is what Isaiah is saying. And then I just put the word bad things in there. I don't know what your bad things are, but I think we all carry around with us a bucket of bad things that have, are involved in our lives. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's somebody who did something to you. It's just bad things. We live in a broken world. We all have bad things that we put in the bucket or someone else put in the bucket. And we carry those things, and God is saying, I want to do something new. Put away the former things, the older things. I want to do something new in your life. I also put that words on there, don't uh, rest on past successes. But this idea is that maybe God wants to do something new, as in the passage, because in the passage, notice he says at the top, before we get to the bottom, he says that the Lord made a way in the sea. He's talking about the way God worked in the past. See, when God worked in the past, he opened up the waters. Now, imagine the waters here, because we're using the word waters in the last verse here. So he opens up the waters. They become the barriers that allow them to walk through and come onto dry land and get across, and then the waters collide and kill all the people and so on. 
the enemies. And so now they're in a new place. The waters and this barrier allows them to get to a new place. But he's saying, don't focus on the way God worked in the past. Don't look at the former things, those things of old. Because God may change the way he's going to work in your life. It may look completely differently now than it did back then. You know, you might now open your Bible, or when you first got saved, you open your Bible and you say, oh, I wonder what the verse is that has to do with my address. And so you look that up in, in Psalms, and you go, oh, isn't that a cool verse? Or you randomly open the Bible and you go, oh, wow, God taught me something really neat today from his word. And, and now... You open the Bible, and it turns to a, a passage that's kind of desert-like or wilderness-like, and you're going, I don't know, what's, what's God doing in my life? Maybe God wants to work in a new way that's different than when he worked in the olden ways in your life. We always have to be ready for the new. What is God going to do in our lives? What does that look like, the new? Well, in the Bible, we have a lot of newness. This isn't just in Isaiah 43. We have an Old Testament and a New Testament referring to the new covenant, the new way that God's going to work. He worked in the law before, and now we're working in grace. We have, there's a newness about this that's pretty strategic that God is doing. He wants to do a new thing in our lives, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's talking about that. Now, he gives these two um, metaphors or analogies at the bottom of our passage today. Let's just look at those two things. One, I will make a way in the wilderness, and two, rivers in the desert. The wilderness. The word way, by the way, is used up in the first verse, and now it's used here in the last verse because the way through the water led to something new. But here it doesn't say we're going to take away the wilderness. You might find yourself in the midst of a struggle in your life, and you feel like it's a wilderness experience. You feel lonely. You feel discouraged. You feel like, I don't know where I'm going. I feel like I'm going around in circles. I'm on a swing going back and forth, but I'm not getting anywhere. And so there's a sense that God says, I'm going to provide a way in the wilderness. The wilderness becomes this place where we then find the way, and God wants to do something new. God may not take you out of that difficult relationship. It becomes the wilderness, but he provides a way in it for you to experience his grace. Both of these analogies talk about God's provision. I think this first one talks about his provision of direction in our lives, that we need a way in the wilderness. So when you're finding yourself in those wilderness experiences, God wants to make a way in the wilderness. What a beautiful picture. The second one is a river in the desert. I can imagine being in a desert. When you think about desert, not only do you think about sand, you think about being alone, deserted. And as you think about it, what do you need in this desert place? You need water. And so you, you see all the sand around, but then you see up ahead this river, this stream. That's what I need. And you go to that stream because the stream represents the provision of God for refreshment, for encouragement, because that's what we need. It's interesting that water is used here, and it's used in the earlier analogy, how God used to work or how he worked in the past. He used the water as a barrier so that you could walk forward. But now he uses the water in a different way. He says, I'm going to provide you water in the desert. In both of these cases, he doesn't take away the wilderness and he doesn't take away the desert, but he provides a way or he provides the stream that we can appreciate and value. This is the new that God wants to do, Isaiah is saying. That yes, you're stuck in Babylon, that you're stuck in this, in this captivity, 
But God wants to do something new, different than he's done before. He's going to do something special and new in your life. So we take those ideas that apply to those people. We take the principles over to our new year, to our century, and we say, God, what do you want to do new in my life? Is there a way in the wilderness you want to provide for me? I want to be able to see that. I don't want to be so distracted by the things that are formerly, the things of old, the things that, that can hinder me, my regrets and my sins and my guilt and my disappointment. I don't want those things to distract me from the new thing. I want to be free to enjoy the new things that you want to provide for me. That's what the passage is saying for us. Jesus takes the same idea in Luke chapter 5, as he's describing some things about the kingdom, he says this. He says, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. What that means is you've taken old wineskin that has already been stretched, and you put new wine in it, and it starts to ferment. Then it's just going to break the old wineskin. You do not put new wine into old wineskins. You're going to try to patch them up, and they're going to burst. Rather, you put new wine into new wineskins. Now, why is he saying that? He doesn't explain why he's saying it right there. He's, he may be saying it because, well, we have the old covenant, now we have the new covenant of grace, and, and God's going to do some things about grace. I think that's valid. Maybe he's saying, don't be like the Pharisees who are focused so much on the law and the rules. Focus on this new thing that God wants to do that's special. Maybe he's saying that. But I think that each one of us, as we apply this idea, need to recognize that we make a choice. Are we going to be the old wineskins and be stuck where we are? Or are we going to say, Lord, I want to be a new wineskin. Pour into me the newness, the freshness that you want for my life. You see, when the Holy Spirit starts to work in our lives, He directs us in ways that we might not have, have thought of before. It's described as a wind that comes in and moves us around, and we don't exactly know where he's taking us. That's what happens. When you open the Bible afresh today, and you look at the Bible, and you go, wow, here's a new truth. I read that passage a lot of times, but I never saw it before, because now God is doing something new in our lives, so that now every day when we get up, we're asking the question, Lord, what is new for today? What do you want to show me today? If you're 70 years old, you can't say, well, I, my good days are behind me. No, the best year of your life is yet to come because God wants to do something new. We can't say, well, I look back on my life. I did a lot of things in my life. God really worked in my life. That's where, no, we don't want to focus on the old things. We want to focus on where God is taking us now, somewhere new. Where does God want to work in your life? What new thing does he want to do? How does he want to work in your family? What new thing does he want to do? Maybe in your workplace. What does he want to do in your church? What, is, what new thing does God want to do? We want to be open and available to God. Say, God, use me. Show me. What do you want to do? And every day we get up saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? A couple weeks ago, I had an experience I want to tell you about. I went to the gym. It was the, the, um, the second time we did. It happened in Bethlehem. And, and so before I came here to the outreach, I went to the gym. And uh, I park on the side of the gym, and so I'm, it was a cold, blustery day. I'm coming out with my coat on, coming out, getting to my car, and I park on the side. I say that because there's not as many people over there as they are in the big part of the parking lot. And when I came out, I looked on the ground, and there was a dollar bill. And I thought, well, that's cool. So I picked up the dollar bill, but as I'm picking it up, I say to myself, if there's one dollar bill here, I wonder if there are others. And so I look around, and about 10 feet away, there's another dollar bill. 
So I go pick that one up. Now I'm on a mission. Because if there's $2 bills, maybe there's a sack of money at the end of this somewhere. And so I'm looking around, and I'm thinking, I'm looking, I'm, it's freezing cold out there. And I'm looking around for, for more dollar bills. And about 50 feet away, I see another dollar bill that's blown away. I go over and I get that $50, that $1 bill. It's only $1. And I put it, that's all I could find. I looked around. There was no more money out there. I'm sure, because I looked in every cranny that there was out there. And I got my $3. <laughs> that's not even enough money to buy a cup of coffee. But it did something to me. Oh, I just put the money in my pocket. I got here to Graceway. I put it in my wallet, and, and uh, I went on with life. But, you know, I didn't go to the gym on Sunday because it just doesn't work out for me to go on Sunday. But on Monday, I went to the gym. I got out of my car. What do you think I was thinking? Where's another dollar bill? I'm thinking to myself, Scott, why are you doing that? Why are you, talk why are you thinking about other dollar bills? You know that was just a, somebody dropped some money and you got the benefit of it. It's not, there's no other dollar bill that's going to be there. But I've probably been to the gym 10 times in the last two weeks. Every time I get out of the car, I think, the dollar bills. I, I, I say to myself, why am I doing this? I'm anticipating the blessing of God. I want that to happen in my life every morning when I get up, to say, God, what are you going to do today? And when you start seeing the blessing of God, you start saying, wow, I can hardly wait for tomorrow. I can hardly wait for what God is going to do. And every time you get out of your car, so to speak, you're looking, God, what are you going to do today? I, I want to be excited about that because God's mercies are new every morning. Amen? I don't know what God's going to do in your life, but I do know this. Sometimes we can focus in the wrong places. He says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? What an interesting question. Yes, Lord, I want to be the one who can perceive it. I don't want to be hindered in my life. I don't want to be the person who focuses on the dot. I want to be the person who focuses on the blessings that you've given to us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the privilege we have to serve you uh, and to recognize that you are actively at work in our lives, that you're doing new things around us all the time. Lord, give us the eyes to see, the perception to realize what you're doing and to appreciate it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.